0: Landline radio, landline radio, high energy, no filter. Oh, yeah. Okay, we're back here with uh, Anu Fredriksen, the director of the Arctic Economic Council. Hello. How's it going?
1: Pretty good, thank you. Great to be in Anchorage.
0: You're from Finland, but currently living in Tromso, Norway, which is one of Anchorage's sister cities. That's correct. And uh, we have seven, so Tromso is uh, one of our Arctic sister cities. Um, I met you at the Resource Development Council a couple days ago. You were there, um, and you were giving, a, I guess, uh, Thursday, you gave a speech, right? That's correct. To, um, talk a little bit about the Arctic Economic Council and then, and then why you're here in Anchorage. Mm-hmm.
1: Yes, so the Arctic Economic Council is an independent business organization which was established by the Arctic Council five years ago. Basically what the Arctic Council saw that the uh, increased interest from the businesses' side when it comes to the Arctic is also an opportunity to increase the socio-economic conditions of living in the Arctic. And that's why they decided to establish the AEC. We're an independent organization, but we work closely with the Arctic Council. And this is the first time the businesses' role is recognized by the Arctic Council.
0: So the, the council has um, eight countries, Right.
1: Well, we have business members coming from all the eight Arctic countries, but we're also a global organization. And that was very important for our membership from the start because the Arctic as a business region is quite small. We're 4 million people scattered in eight different countries. Mm -hmm. That doesn't necessarily make it a large enough market to create value-adding business on its own. So we are dependent on having access to the global markets. And that's also then reflected in the AEC's membership. We have members also from Korea and Germany... Lower forty eights.
0: So you know, as, as the we hear about this a lot in Alaska because we're kind of the the reason we're the reason the United States is an Arctic um, nation. But you know, as the ice keeps melting and as there's more opportunities for cargo, and it seems like there's a lot going on with, in the Arctic, especially with the Russians. I mean, they have so many icebreakers and there's more exploration, and it seems like the Arctic's just a really Kind of the f- the future, it seems like, for a lot of um, economic activity.
1: Yeah, definitely. If you think about the global picture, what we are seeing right now is that we have a global population which is growing. It's getting richer and richer. Uh, two billion people, mainly in Southeast Asia, are expected to take the leap to the middle class in the next two decades. And what these people need, that's raw materials or resources. And the Arctic is home to 20% of the global natural resources. So it makes sense that the ice are upon us.
0: So, yeah, I mean, the from Alaska perspective, you know, we look at all the oil up there, um, and there's been push for exploration uh, for a long time, the Chukchi Sea and the Beaufort Sea, and it seems like uh, that's kind of going to be... Uh, Big activity here coming up in the next you know, 10 or 20 years. So the members of its businesses, right? So it's folks yes. that are trying to invest in the Arctic or do business in the Arctic. Is it a combination of all those things?
1: Yes. Yeah, so it's a combination of things. We have umbrella organizations such as Sheep Owners Associations, Oil and Gas Associations, and then we have individual corporations. And we're also very proud to represent uh, many of the indigenous corporations in here. And we have representation also from the indigenous organizations that are active in the Arctic Council. And that brings a very important dimension to our work.
0: Um, I want to go back a little more in the past. I was reading on your uh, biography. So Mm -hmm. you were actually a a diplomat before you uh, got into the Arctic Economic Council, right?
1: Well, yes. I worked for the Finnish Minister for Foreign Affairs for 10 years.
0: Wow. So it's basically equivalent of, of State Department.
1: Yes, that's correct.
0: And um, how did you get, from a young age, were you interested in international affairs or did you?
1: Yeah, I think that from a fairly young age, that was really my career plan to become a diplomat. And um, I ended up uh, serving in Oslo, had great 10 years there. But then towards the, to well, bef- a few years before I had uh, to go with my current job at the AEC, I started to work even more and more actively with the Arctic portfolio and with trade promotion. And I really enjoyed that and started to think about taking the next step. I wanted to work more closely with the business community. And then the opportunity with the Arctic Economic Council came up and that was just a match made in heaven seen in my eyes.
0: Did you get um, kind of assigned to uh, Norway or was that a choice of yours when you?
1: you Yeah, it was a a choice of mine.
0: So kind of staying in Scandinavia.
1: Yeah, well, that had to do with family reasons. My spouse was working in Norway at that time, so...
0: And you also said you were a, a exchange student here in the United States, right?
1: I was. That was a great time of my
0: life. And you were... Uh, where Where were you?
1: I was in Washington Courthouse, Ohio.
0: That's so different than Finland, huh?
1: It was very different. I um, grew up in a northern Finnish town of Oulu, which had uh, functioning infrastructure we had public transportation i was raised to be very independent from an early age i bike everywhere to go to my hobbies and then i ended up in an absolutely fabulous family which lived in a farm and i was not allowed to drive so i'm extremely grateful for my host parents for their patience and their willingness to drive me around but it was a different experience
0: so you were there for uh, i guess a year
1: yes that's correct i was a high school senior
0: So, Northern Finland to Ohio, it's like total opposite.
1: It was, but it it was definitely an experience that shaped me as a person and also my future choices.
0: Did you, uh, I assume you grew up speaking English, but you probably improved it a lot by being in the US for a year, right?
1: Yeah, of course. It had a great impact, but my English was decent already. By that time, I I came, after all, from the world's best education system in Finland.
0: Yeah, we hear a lot about that, actually. Uh, Finland, uh, when you hear about education in different countries, it seems like Finland is, is talked about a lot as a really good example of a, of, um, a good educational system. Why, why, I mean, why? what are the, some of the reasons for that?
1: Long-term thinking. So, the, of course, the Finnish educational system has been modified throughout the years. But really the foundation was laid in the 60s when we established the modern school system where we have an obligatory school for the first nine years and then you go to secondary school uh, or to a vocational school and after that, you make the choice of whether you want to go to the university or a polytechnic, more like a college. Um, But um, we have a good level of education which is based on equality. There's been a conscious effort of trying to avoid Let's say social segregation. Mm-hmm. So kids coming from wealthy families and less wealthy families all go to the same schools and have the same teachers. There are no private schools. And of course, uh, what's important to keep in mind is that we actually, compared to many other countries in the world, in the Nordic countries we have very low differences between the different social classes.
0: Mm-hmm. And I think teachers get paid. They get paid more in Finland, right, than in the United States.
1: I'm not sure what the average pay in, uh, pay in here is for teachers, but yes, the teachers have a decent salary in Finland. And one of the secrets is that they're given a lot of independency in their work. They're highly educated, it's a master level education, and it's difficult to get in. So one of the secrets also of the Finnish success are the highly qualified teachers who are given a lot of trust within a set of framework which they are to achieve during the year.
0: Yeah, I think one of the issues in America is you have um, these social class issues where, you know, c- people, wealthier parents, their kids go to better schools, and it becomes this kind of cycle. And then, you know, kids who are in poor neighborhoods, they, they don't get as good of an education. And then, you know, summer breaks, they don't, you know, for three or four months, three months they don't do anything. Mm-hmm. A lot of kids and the other kids whose parents are more involved. And it's um, I think it's been, you know, 30 or 40 years like that, and it's – it's uh yeah, I've read a lot about Finland and the educational system. It seems to be the, <clears throat> it seems to be the kind of big example that's used a lot. So um, back to the Economic Council. Uh, how did you? How did you get involved? I mean, they formed in twenty fourteen, right?
1: Yes, that's correct.
0: How did you? Uh, when did you start with them, and then how? how did you get involved?
1: I started to work for the AEC, the Arctic Economic Council, in twenty sixteen. I'm the first director that they hired. So after the formal establishment of the AEC, the Norwegian business community graciously said that they will fund our operations for the three first years and that was instrumental. Um, I think we have the informal world record in setting up an international organization and the leadership that was shown at that time uh, by our members uh, and the funding that we received from the Norwegian business community and the Norwegian Minister for Foreign Affairs was essential also in this matter. But, um, so they started, opened the recruiting process in 2015, and uh, I think I got the news at the end of the year, and uh, started in March 2016. It must
0: have been like a big, was it a call, or like an email, or was how did you find out? It was a call. Must have been awesome news, huh?
1: Yeah, um, of course, but I, um, I knew that the interviews went well, so... Uh, I expected to have a chance on the job
0: so you know I think the obvious ones are shipping and and resources in the Arctic but you know with that other you know you need ports and deep water pour all these different things what what um what are some of the big things that you think are gonna be happening in the Arctic as far as you know, investment goes in, in, um, in business opportunities. So
1: in terms of um, opportunities in the Arctic, the AEC and our members have identified business lines, which also speak of how we see the major, what, what we see as the major business opportunities in our region. And those incu- include, just like you mentioned, energy, not just uh, oil and gas, but also renewables. If you look at the Nordic part of the Arctic, wind power is actually the sector within energy where you have the largest investments coming up in the next 10 years then um, um, shipping infrastructure building and then one thing that is sometimes forgotten that's connectivity that's a business case for us and it can be a massive game changer for our region because currently what are if you look at the plans that we have currently for subsea cable Mm -hmm. development the arctic connect cable which is being planned to run through finland uh, to northern norway and then go along the northern sea route to Asia, if that is to be realized, and then if we get a quintillion phase mm-hmm. to to Asia, phase three to Europe, suddenly we face a situation where the Arctic is surrounded by subsea cables. I mean, this is
0: that ultimately the London to Asia cable, right? Is that yes? Um, the the big thing in Alaska is a lot of these communities in n- northern Alaska which are essentially sometimes unconnected or the connectivity to get them internet is you're talking about thousands of dollars a megabyte. When that <clears throat> cable got laid up there, I mean, it was a big game changer for getting internet to a lot of these, these uh, communities. And it's been something people have been talking about quite a bit.
1: Yeah, one of my favorite quotes is, uh, it's a new day on the slope. And that was by one of the locals when the cable was finally operating.
0: So is what, what's the... Because when I first heard of that, maybe... I think it was eight or nine years ago, because I used to work in an IT up, up here for a long time, and then I worked in oil and gas, and I first heard about it, and I thought it was kind of like, kind of sounded crazy, you know, this cable from, you know, England or N- London to Asia, and then it started, eventually it happened, what's the long term, I mean, when's, when's that supposed to be complete, is there a completion date, or is it for it to stretch across, or are they still, is it just...
1: I'm not aware of an exact date for completion, but I know that, for example, with the Arctic Connect cable, they are making great progress. They have recently signed an MOU, Sydney at the development company, partially owned by the state of Finland, has signed a Memorandum of Understanding with Megafon in Russia. So things are looking pretty promising on their behalf.
0: What other um, opportunities are you guys looking at or working on for things in the Arctic?
1: Well, in terms of connectivity, where we see a major potential, and this is especially valid in the Nordic part of the Arctic, that's data center development. Because with the connectivity in place, we have the right climate. Um, our current chairman, Hader also often says that uh, Iceland has the average temperature of 4 degrees of centigrade. That's equivalent to a fridge. And in terms of data center development, that's actually going to be an asset. In addition, we have abundance of renewable energy and those combined with the high tech environments that we have in some parts of the nordic countries can actually help us become a hub for data center development
0: that's one thing we've talked about in alaska it's always um, it's always like who's going to pay for it but you know you have to keep these data centers cold and it's perfect in the arctic because yeah. you know these things in you know nevada or california where it's 100 degrees outside they mm-hmm. i think their biggest cost is <laughs> is cooling it's
1: actually cooling yeah and what we see to an increase in decree coming from the industry is actually um, their push to look at the green solutions, to look at uh, ways of operating which are more and more environmental friendly. So, in that, with that in mind, the Arctic makes perfect sense.
0: Another issue uh, we see here in Alaska, I'm sure it's in other countries as well, is uh, with climate change. Some of the you know communities with the uh, the sea issues and the ice and the melting, they're having to move some of their villages. Mm-hmm. Um, is that something you guys get involved in as far as impacts of climate change in the Arctic?
1: Not directly. But of course, uh, all of us who live in the Arctic, we are the first ones to see the impacts of the climate change, and there is no denying that it is taking place. Uh, then it is another question whether it has to do with actions that take place in our region or whether it's some a consequence of something that happens further down south. But um, no matter... Response: We still need to be a part of that game. And one of the um, developments that we've been witnessing for the past five to ten years, especially in the Nordic countries, are businesses being looking forward looking and developing strategies for the green change. So in Norway, for example, where I currently live, um, the uh, sustainable development goals and climate change and green economy are seen as a business asset. And a new strategy going forward.
0: So this might be a, a dumb question, but in the summertime, is, is in the summertime, is is solar? Uh, and I, I know in the wintertime, probably not. But in the summertime, the sun's up yeah. a lot. Is there uh, any opportunities with solar power um, in the Arctic when it's the sun's always out?
1: That's a great question. I know that in small scale for private housing, that's being used. But uh, what the opportunities are in large scale that? Uh, I don't have the uh, exact information on.
0: The other uh, interesting thing is now some of these cruise ships are starting to go in the Arctic. and We had one a couple of years ago um, way up north that it, it docked at, um, I think it was uh, Barrow, and everybody was kind of like, oh my gosh, there's a bunch of European tourists here. Is, um, is that another thing that's growing in, in kind of tourism? or?
1: Yes, definitely. Tourism is one of the sectors that is uh, in major increase in the Arctic. Um, we I see that every day on the streets of Tromsø, especially in the winter time. Traditionally, the tourism industry in northern Norway has focused on summertime, but now winter is the really pop season. Season, and um, <coughs> in terms of that growth, uh, what we should be mindful about in the Arctic is, of course, the sustainable development. Um, hotels in northern Finland can provide a good example of that again a business driven initiative their tour operators coming from central Europe started to demand green certificates from the hotels in Finnish Lapland and that has actually created a whole sustainability program for that industry which is quite significant in the Lapland Finnish part of the Lapland.
0: That's northern Finland right? Yes We're that's north. correct. Um, so I read a study a while ago, and they, they asked a bunch of Americans, you know, um, do, you, do you see yourself as an Arctic nation? And most people in the lower 48, they don't, you know, see, see them. See us as an Arctic nation. If you live in Alaska, we do, obviously, because we're here. Um, but it seems like another, you know, Norway, Finland, Canada, Russia, I mean, those are, everybody kind of understands that, you know, it's a different mentality maybe. Is it different, you know? In Scandinavia where everybody kind of you know we're we live in the Arctic this is an Arctic nation whereas here it's if you're in Alaska obviously you you feel that way but the rest of the country really doesn't necessarily identify us as an Arctic nation
1: yeah that that identification that's a great question that's something that we often get asked about um, how for example does the AEC identify the Arctic and my answer is always that uh, we we're aware of the different ways of identifying where the line for the Arctic goes. many people use uh, the Arctic Circle as a definition mm. um, but um, what i tend to say is that we leave that up to our members or to the arctic nations for example finland has a conscious strategy where it says that all of finland is an arctic nation and frankly if you go to the capital of finland helsinki in november it's pretty arctic in there with the freezing wind coming from the baltic sea darkness um, snow etc etc and a lot of the technology which can be used in the arctic is developed in the southern parts of the nordic countries but it's applicable in the northern regions
0: um i wanted to go back to the the shipping i wanted to ask you so with this northern sea route um opening up and being being more able um to be used by you know cargo ships uh i was reading that it seems like the going from you know europe to asia through the northern sea route is um it's a, it massively cuts back on on the time to get goods i mean it's 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 a big number isn't it the yeah it's about
1: in, a third of reduction for the passage
0: so i know that's been growing over the years is it you, i mean can you tell me kind of where it is now as far as what it was maybe 20 years ago or 10 years ago
1: so the transit passage going from asia to all the way to northern europe those numbers have not been in such a massive increase as might be uh, thought based on the news coverage, the most part of traffic on the Northern Sea routes actually consists of destinational traffic. They're the largest uh, Arctic industrial projects that are currently ongoing take place in the Russian part of the Arctic. And that explains a lot of the traffic.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I wanted to ask you about Russia because I've spent a lot of time in Russia and I know that they've been for a long time pushing the Arctic exploration. They didn't they bury the... Years ago, they buried the thing. What's the... The plaque or whatever. You know, we're, we're taking the... Uh, oh,
1: we're the ta- flag in the North. Yeah, North yeah, North. Yeah, yeah. We,
0: yeah. So so it, what kind of level of... I know there's probably some level of competition. And, you know, the Russians have a lot of these icebreakers. Even the Chinese, they've, they've been building a lot of icebreakers. Um, how much of, of what's going on up there is, again, like, a competitive um, nature between countries or businesses that are trying to get resource, you know, resource development, maybe control shipping and... Is that?
1: I wouldn't like to speak of competition uh, first and foremost because we are a business organization and we believe in that in cross-border, increased cross-border trade we believe in that we need to improve the business ties across the Pan-Arctic region and between the Pan-Arctic and the global region that's because it benefits us all um, in addition um, we have great examples of technological development for example which is taking place in one part of the Arctic that could be used in other parts of the Arctic, so also from the sustainability perspective, I firmly believe in that if we are able to use the best possible technology, no matter where it comes from, mm-hmm. then that's also for the best of our both our environment and our industrial projects
0: yeah when the u s chaired the Arctic Council a couple of years ago, there was a big event here I went to, and it was interesting there was you know all these Russians and norwegians and america all these different people and um somebody made a joke that they said you know this this is such a good way to interact we, we should interact like this more than some of the other you know problems in um you know global global politics and it seems like the arctic is a good way for people to come together from all these different countries who have a shared goal of, mm-hmm. of you know business and uh, economic development resource development and uh i think you know i don't know i feel like in the next 20 or 30 years there's going to be so much happening in the arctic
1: I fully agree. Arctic is a great example of well functioning multilateral collaboration, both uh, on the policy side with the Arctic Council, and this I'm of course saying as an outsider who has been observing their work, but also within the AEC on the business side. Uh, I need to recognize the Arctic Council's important work, what they do, and the ability for all those eight nations to collaborate despite the current political situation. That is a major achievement.
0: So with your job, I imagine you're traveling to probably all over the Arctic, right?
1: Yes, and also quite a bit outside of the region. And that has been surprising, at least for me.
0: I know, I mean, China, China is very interested in the Arctic as well, aren't they? There's a lot of, I know they have a bunch of icebreakers.
1: That's true. And uh, they are partnering with Russians in some of the developments along the Northern Sea Route.
0: So what um what's your kind of what's the I guess one one to five year you know what, what do you see happening in the Arctic in the next, I don't know, three to five years? More more investment, more exploration?
1: I think we will see more investments, but at the same time what we are already seeing in the global sphere now is that there's going to be more and more contradiction. Because if you go outside of our region and discuss with stakeholders about the Arctic. Unfortunately, very many of them have limited knowledge about the Arctic, Mm. but their perception of the region is what you can get if you Google the Arctic and look at the pictures. That's iceberg, and that's polar bears. Very few of them know about the people who live in here, nor of the industrial activity that we have had for decades in our region, nor of the excellent track record that we have in doing these activities. So I think this is something going forward for the past three, five, ten years where we as Arctic businesses also need to start thinking more of the story we tell. Because we have wonderful examples in our region when it comes to sustainable development, industrial development that minds the interests of the locals and the indigenous people. And we need to get those stories out.
0: Yeah, no, I mean, that's an issue we struggle with in Alaska a lot is there's you know there's the Anwar you've heard you know, heard about and there's uh, offshore exploration we have, oftentimes a lot of people from lo- the lower 48 or you know not from Alaska come up here and try to stop anything any kind of development and oftentimes it's it's some of the um, native indigenous folks in those communities that are some of the biggest proponents of that kind of exploration because it provides money jobs is sustainable um, you know. Income for the, for jobs and families, and it's. Uh, it, I think you're right. It's challenging to sometimes people think it's like you said, icebergs and, and polar bears. Um, well, is this your first time in Alaska? Or
1: no, this is this is my first time in Anchorage, but my second time in Alaska. The AEC had its annual meeting in Fairbanks in 2017, so I had the pleasure of visiting Fairbanks then.
0: What month were you there? And that was May. Oh, okay, so mm. it's, it's. I was in Fairbanks. I moved here in 2004 to Anchorage, and. I went to Fairbanks once in the winter years ago, and it was like 45 below zero. It was very cold. Right. And then I was there in the summer, uh, and it was like 90 degrees. That's
1: hard to So for you. there's
0: a huge, you know, the Anchorage we kind of a little more moderated temperatures uh-huh. because of the water, but yeah. Fairbanks is crazy. How I mean, parts of Finland are the same, and even yeah, inland si- temperatures. Siberia, you know, you have these big shifts of temperature. Mm-hmm. It's pretty wild. True. Well, I want to thank you for doing the podcast and coming in. I, I um, hope you enjoyed your stay in Anchorage. We've obviously been having strange weather. It should not look like that right now.
1: Well, thank you so much for having me. And it's been a great pleasure to be both here with you this afternoon, but also in Anchorage.
0: Yeah, I hope you enjoy your stay. And um, we'll be uh, paying attention to what's happening with the uh, Economic Council.
1: Great. Thank Please you. do.
0: Thanks again for coming in.
1: Thank you. Thank
0: you.